listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 40 of the Testudo Times Podcast, the mega jumbo giant, crazy huge sized NCAA tournament edition of the show. Although the only thing that's been bigger in the scope of this podcast recently is the number of problems we have had trying to record it. Alex Kirshner is the only one joining me. Dave Tucker, Tucker and Noah Niedehofer were supposed to. But if I can just say, Alex, what we have been doing for the last hour is Dave's Skype didn't work. And then the recording software I use to get this podcast from Skype to the airwaves and then to SoundCloud decided not to record a group call. It had a hissy fit or something, and maybe it was trying to emulate the DC Metro. Could have been. I'm not there right now. I'm in Pittsburgh, so I'm, I'm not upset about that at all. I'm not in DC either. I'm outside of Philadelphia, and the DC Metro thing is bad, but what has happened to my beautiful, beloved Evair that has worked so brilliantly for 11 months, the license key that I purchased in the old emails that I have is from 11 months ago to the day last year that I bought it. So I don't know why it's not working. I will try to fix it enough so by the next time we have a podcast, there will be more than one person here. Uh, The intro we did have in the scrap recording that no one will hear because it didn't actually record was talking about Charles Barkley at a touchscreen talking about college basketball. And Mark Turgeon had some great comments about it that gave us a lot of hits for the site. It was quite amusing. Uh, Yeah, I think Mark Turgeon falls in line with uh, the general uh, public at large, which is that it was kind of a silly way of going about revealing the bracket. It it did probably to some extent stretch out viewership, but CBS still didn't get good ratings for it. It was uh, the lowest so, in like, in like 20, 20 years. years. Or yeah. Pretty close to it, yeah. So uh, it, it was it was kind of a tease, but I think the bigger element of it uh, that's a problem is that some of these teams, uh, you know, the teams that, that had to play in the first four on Tuesday, for instance, I mean, they only have a day uh, before they, they've really got to get going. Uh, to prepare and, and and really not even that. I mean, they really have a couple of minutes uh, in the case of like the head coaches of these teams that had games on Tuesday at the first four. Uh, and you're kind of just teasing them. So, and you're taking time away from preparation. You're taking time away from booking flights and hotel rooms and all that. Uh, so it was a good thing that the uh, bracket turned out to just leak. If the leak was the best thing that has happened in Selection Sunday in quite a long time. And I also kind of basically said the terrible ratings and the leak were karma. For CBS screwing around with a good formula. I remember when at six o'clock they'd release the number one seeds and then they'd release the bracket after every single commercial break, and it was fantastic. No leaks, there was great drama. Uh, I mean, in Maryland's case, we were revealed as the second pod for two straight years running, so there isn't a lot of sitting around on tent hooks waiting for something to happen. And in Maryland's case, I guess that's good. And for Mark Turgeon, it was kind of amusing, but the tournament selection show was garbage. And this is nothing against Charles Barkley, and the inside the NBA thing is still one of the best pregame shows on television. I just don't think it fit on Selection Sunday. And they expanded it 30 minutes for no apparent reason whatsoever. Right. And, and it annoyed me because I like the Selection show. I love college basketball, but I wanted to watch MLS and therefore miss two Sebastian Javinko things. And that annoyed me as an MLS fan. But let's – before we move on to Maryland's matchups in the NCAA tournament – men's and women's, I want to talk about the men in the Big Ten tournament against Michigan State and Nebraska, and we saw two very, very different Maryland performances, and two performances that would inspire some confidence and 
bring about some criticism and some nerves, I'd say. The Nebraska game, Maryland's offense looked as good as it has since they put 100 up on Ohio State. And then against Michigan State, they played some of their best defense of the season. I think the biggest question is, can they chain those two things together in a tournament setting? And they're going to have to if they want to go far. Yeah, they certainly will have to. And I don't think they'll necessarily have to do it against South Dakota State. Uh, And who knows what they'll get uh, with most likely Cal in the round of 32. Uh, But certainly, you know, you're not getting past Kansas in the Sweet 16. And and that will be the team that they'll play in the Sweet 16 if they get there um, will be Kansas. So, you know, they'll need to to put some Michigan State-like defense with some Nebraska-like offense uh, to to win that game when it comes. And if they don't, then that'll be that. And it could be that even before that. Should I mention that the last time Maryland played in Spokane, they were a four seed? Corey Lucius happened, but... Was that in Spokane, really? That was in Spokane, yeah. The Corey Lucius thing was in Spokane six years ago. And also, the number one seed in that region that year was Kansas. I think they were the number one overall seed. I don't remember, but that was the Ali Farouk Nimesh thing. Of course, of course. The, The reason everyone's picking Northern Iowa to win this year, even though he's definitely not walking through that door. It's the reason why a lot of people are picking South Dakota State is a trendy 12-5 upset. You know, no, yeah. not, not only for Rukovich, but Nate every year, even though they're not that common. I mean, you know, the, the, the 5 still wins significantly more than the 12. People talk like, oh, the 5 is like a terrible spot to be. I mean, you know, I could think of several seeds that would be much worse to be than the 5. We'll get to it later. In fact, in fact I could think of, you know, a, a very specific number of seeds that are worse to be than the 5. We'll uh, get to – in a minute, we'll get to some of the teams that I would have – gladly Maryland excuse me I would have gladly not wanted to see Maryland play we'll talk about that in a second uh but quickly I guess in the Big Ten tournament we talked about this in the scrap recording but the two stars of the games Jake Lehman against Nebraska I've never seen him play like that offensively and it was kind of fun to see him do that and then against Michigan State uh offensively it was Robert Carter but we talked a lot about they have depth in terms of their starting five we know that the chemistry might not necessarily be there the way we all thought it could be at the start of the season, but they have so much talent that they don't have to rely on one player to win them every game. It can be a different player that ends up being the star in every sort of different game, depending on the situation. Layman one night, Carter the next, Trimble another, Rashid Suleiman could be it. We don't know who's going to be the star in the NCAA tournament for Maryland, and that's a hard thing for anybody to play against excuse me yeah i think it is uh, but you know by the same token it's a hard thing to deal with when you are the team that has that uncertainty um you know maryland all year has said that it's a team where anybody can fill up the stat sheet on any given night to an extent that's true and in most games it even has been but if maryland's best players um are having a bad game in order for for that to take hold they kind of need to give way and they need to not put up bad shots and they need to um, avoid kind of sucking the efficiency out of the offense. Uh, the other day against Michigan State, Miller triple shot wasn't falling, um, but he went 2 of 15 from the field. If he had gone 2 of 6 or 2 of 7, uh, frankly, Maryland probably would have won the game because he probably would have been able to get uh, a couple of other points that you would have needed to win uh, from somebody else. So it works. You know, It definitely works to have players picking each other up, but you need the players who uh, are not on and are not scoring on a given day um, sometimes to recognize that. And when you're as good as Maryland's players are, uh, in that five-man starting lineup, you know, it, it might be tough to to give way like that. Do you exit the Big Ten tournament with more confidence or, I guess, trepidation in the sense that there was a lot of negativity after the end of the Michigan State game? And I was particularly angry with it because I thought, 
aside from winning, I mean, of course you'd love to win and you'd love the offense to be better, but playing that kind of defense against a team that basically everybody has going to their final four and some winning the national championship, yeah. that was a great performance defensively, and you need to play like that to win in the tournament. And after the offensive, you're just wondering if they can string it together, and they weren't blown out, and they in the first half were threatened to get blown out a couple of times. I was wondering, uh, is this about to get to be a boat race? Is Maryland about to get yeah. raced out of the building? Yeah, so I, I exited too. that game thinking, you know what? I'm more confident now about the Terps in the tournament to get out of the first weekend than I was maybe before it started. Yeah, I think that it was an encouraging game for sure. Uh, and, you know, you would expect that the offense would uh, would pick up. But uh, it also, I think it might be a matter of game plan. I mean, they did a really nice job against Denzel Valentine, even though he still almost got a triple-double. Um, what was really impressive was the job they did against Brent Forbes, uh, the three-point shooter from Michigan State, who's one of the best scorers in the country. Maryland pretty much locked him down. I mean, he, he didn't have a three-pointer for the first time in a really long time. Uh, Rashid Suleiman was close to perfect defensively against him. You're going to need that um, to beat some of the big-time teams with some of the big-time players that are in their bracket. Uh, Villanova has like 30 guys on its team who can fill the basket. Boy, we're assuming a lot to say Maryland's playing um, Villanova. Well, right. Uh, we already we already touched on Kansas. In the uh, somewhat unlikely event that Maryland were even able to get past Kansas with, with Perry Ellis and Wayne Selden and so many others, um, they just they would just keep running into teams that have uh, weapons on weapons on weapons, kind of like Michigan State does. So it was encouraging from that standpoint uh, to see what they were able to do against some of those good players. It was definitely encouraging, and I think heading into the tournament now, I feel much more confident about Maryland getting to the Sweet 16, which was the goal, or at least there was the goal for me before the season started. You can go back and listen to that podcast. I said, as long as they get to the Sweet 16, that's a success. Anything beyond that, it's a lottery, and you have no idea how anything could go on a given night at a neutral site. So let's actually get to talking about Maryland's opponents in the NCAA tournament. The first one that we know they're going to play are the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, champions of the Summit League, not without any references to the tortoise and the hare, which the Maryland Twitter account beat us to the punch at when we found out who their draw was. And we should also mention, just for the sake of argument, Nate Walters does not play for South Dakota State anymore. I think that's incredibly important to mention because everybody thinks of South Dakota State as basically Nate Walters. Yeah, I think so. But such is life. I mean, they actually have a couple of pretty interesting guys uh, on their team right now. I think the, the really interesting player who Matt Allen took profile the other day is this kid that comes off their bench, uh, Mike Dom, who's a six-nine power forward. He shoots better than forty percent on threes, uh, so he'll be he'll be tough. Um, but yeah, they're they're an interesting team to deal with. I wouldn't say they're like an incredibly tough opponent, but they're an interesting team, and they could they could pose some challenges. I want to talk about Dom for a second because I actually think other teams would not be as well equipped to deal with him and what he brings, but Maryland is one of the teams that can match up with him. Particularly, I'm not saying that he is Jared Utah, but they do a lot of similar things. They function similar ways in terms of what they can do in the offense, although Utah obviously starts and Dom comes off the bench. But Jake Lehman, I distinctly remember because I called that Iowa-Maryland game, put Jared Utah in his back pocket. And I think that we could see something similar. Dom's a very good player, but... It, he seems to be the kind of player that Maryland can stop without much incident just because of the personnel that they have, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that he'll be, you know, containable. Um, I don't think he's necessary. I don't think he's as easy to stop as some people might think just because he's, uh, 
you know, he plays for a, a non-major team. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think he's going to be competitive. I think it'll be pretty tough. He will be. But then again, I, I just think in terms of just the raw matchups and what Maryland can bring, Diamond Stone were to say, let's say Dom tries to play against against Diamond Stone, that means somebody else, Jake Lehman or Robert Carter presumably, are going to have superior matchups, and then they can thrive. And if Jake Lehman's on him, even if Dom takes him away, Carter and Stone are still free. There are a lot of matchup nightmares that a team like Maryland poses, and they also match up well with what Dom does. And this is nothing against the Summit League, but teams in the Summit League don't have what Maryland has in their starting five and even on their bench. And because of that, and because Dom is really good, but he seems to be kind of the focal point of everything they do, if Maryland can take that away, and we've seen them take away similar kinds of players this year, I don't think the Terps are going to have that big of a problem, or at least that's just what the things on paper say. Yeah, I don't think they're going to have a huge problem. I mean, I, I think they could have had a lot worse matchups than they did. Uh, this isn't, you know... South Dakota State is, is a, a formidable opponent in some senses. I mean, they've got a few guys who can shoot a little bit. Uh, they make their free throws, and they do a decent job uh, on the glass as well for a team that's not very big. But I, I'm with you. I mean, Maryland is uh, drastically more skilled than that team and, and just has more pieces and more horses. So I wouldn't expect uh, that, that they're going to lose that game. Well, one of the things that always comes up when you're talking about March is skilled guards, and not just skilled guards, but experienced guards. And South Dakota State has that, but even then, I just think that Maryland has too much. Now, again, all of this could end up being wrong, and Maryland could lose because this is the Terps, and we've seen them lose at Minnesota, and South Dakota State did not do that stupid transitive property. Correct. Correct. I just Every time I look at this matchup, and we look at it closely because— this is what we do. I just don't think that this, as opposed to some of the other mid-major teams that could have been Maryland's opponents, like I'm thinking if Maryland played Iona, I would have kind of been terrified because Iona is the exact kind of team Maryland struggles with that runs up and down the floor, shoots the lights out, and if they shoot the lights out, it's going to be hard to beat them. They remind me in some senses of the struggles Maryland has against a team like Indiana, but Maryland's not playing them. If Maryland was playing Stephen F. Austin, who is basically West Virginia light, Maryland sure. got destroyed by them last year, and that, not Stephen F. Austin, but West Virginia, that would have scared me. And even to a lesser extent, I mean, think about the other the other 12 fives. I mean, Yale would have been an interesting matchup. Who is the, who's to Purdue playing? It's a something school. Is it Arkansas Little Rock? Uh, that's right. That's exactly who it is, yep. Yeah, they could have done And Chattanooga would have been another team that I'd like, you know what? I think that they would have posed different matchup problems, but if you're just looking at it, I think South Dakota State is the – or otherwise, I saw there were some projections that had Maryland playing you, you and I in Des Moines. I'm like, dude, that's terrifying. That's a road game. You know, in terms of the matchups that Maryland could have gotten from for being a five seed, this isn't all that bad. No, I, I think it absolutely could have been worse. That's a very good point. I actually think – quick digression that that Stephen F. Austin-West Virginia game is going to be really interesting. I mean, I think you put it pretty well. Um, they're kind of West Virginia light. Uh, I mean, there's just going to be, I guess, like a combined like 50 turnovers in that game and a combined like 90 offensive rebounds in that game. It's just going to be nuts. Um, so, so yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that one. It'll be kind of like watching a little kid grow up and, and fight his dad for the first time. Um, or, you know, or, yeah. Or in terms of a soccer reference, 
it could go exactly like what happens when two teams that play a high press go up against each other and play the most boring nil-nil draw ever imaginable. My team has done it, and I've seen it, so it could also be insanely not. boring. I hope, yeah, it could be. It could go either way. Um, All right. But digressing back, I actually want to talk a bit about the bracketology aspects of the tournament. There were some complaints about Maryland as a 5C when it came out who the first two fours were, which were Cal and Duke. But then when we saw that Indiana and Purdue also got fives, Michigan State got a two. And, uh, I mean, Michigan getting in kind of breaks the theory a bit, but Iowa getting a seven. The Big Ten got no love this year. Absolutely none. Whereas teams from the ACC and the American particularly got a lot of love. And I'm confused by that, but we watched the Big Ten all year. It was not an amazing conference, but I think one of Indiana or Purdue, and especially Michigan State, deserved a better fate than they got. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, it, but, you know, it's really hard to say that. The biggest thing that I thought was that Michigan State uh, probably belonged on the top line instead of Oregon. Uh, but I also tend to think that the geography matters a lot more than the seed line. And I think that's the thing for Maryland. I don't think it would have really mattered if Maryland had been uh, just a, you know, if, say, say Maryland gets a five seed or even gets like a six seed, uh, but gets Rally or New York or Providence. I, I think they'd probably prefer that than going to Spokane. Uh, you know, like that. They, they've talked like they like it because every NCAA tournament team talks like it's excited to go wherever it's going. Uh, but Spokane's a pretty crummy place to have to go to in terms of the the travel time uh, and just the logistics that go with that. And and you know, it, it takes uh, it's a pretty tight window that you have to prepare for these things, and it takes an extra seven or eight hours uh, of commute time to get there away from your uh, preparation for the game. So I, I think that's a more important thing that uh, you know doesn't work out well for Maryland and for a couple of other teams doesn't work out great i forget who it is um i want to say it's baylor which is a five seed is playing yale and providence yeah that's kind of screwy it's ridiculous i mean it's it's completely ridiculous it's an absolute road game it is an absolute road game and maryland played an absolute road game last year as a four seed in columbus against west virginia which which can happen i actually want to go i want to follow up on that point briefly uh would you have let's say let's say maryland takes the place of arizona they're playing Wichita State, who ended up winning as we were recording this, uh, in Brooklyn, and they would have played Miami. Let's just say they moved down to seed line in the same region. You would have taken that. I mean, it would have been a tougher initial matchup and then a tougher matchup, presumably in the uh, round of 32 against a very good Miami team, but it would have been in Brooklyn, and Maryland fans traveled particularly well in New York. Would you have rathered that? Uh, probably, yeah. I think that it's, you know, especially when you're Maryland, and I know, you know, the, a neutral site isn't exactly the same as an away game, but it can resemble an away game. Uh, I think you'd prefer, you know, within within reason, within two or three seed lines, uh, you'd prefer to be, if you're Maryland, playing a game closer to home rather than having a four or five. So I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, say that Maryland was a four seed instead of a five, I, I think their situation would be 100% the same. They would be playing Cal in Spokane as, or, you know. They, or they, they would have been, right, the right, 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 been Purdue right in Denver. Right. I mean, can, you know, it wouldn't have been a drastically different situation. I don't think that if they were one line higher, uh, it would have put them in Brooklyn or something like that. Uh, we should mention that we were complaining about this because neither – well, Sung, Sung Min Kim, our great photographer, is going and the Diamondback is going, but WNBC Sports is not going to Spokane and Alex Kirshner is not going to Spokane. I will not be there, but Sung Min will do a great job. He's going to take pictures. He's also going to go, I think, into the locker room and do some stories after the game. Um, and, you know, the stuff that we do during the game, you know, Twitter and – and, and writing an immediate recap, you know, those things can be done from anywhere with an internet connection. So uh, it will be fine. But it would have been, been, been nice to be able to go and provide 
uh, a little bit a little bit more um, from the ground, but that's life sometimes. Hashtag couch journalism. Although I can tell you this, if Maryland does make it to Louisville, we'll all be there. You will get a crush of coverage if Maryland makes it that far. Well, you, yeah, you'll get a crush of coverage either way, but particularly if they uh, if they keep moving on, I would think it'll be more over time and not less. Uh, it will be a lot of fun, and I'm I would love to go to Louisville. On a personal note, I've never been, but let's actually talk about future opponents. But before that, this is the only bit of our bracket that we're going to spoil, I guess. Uh, Revenge, join the Testudo Times uh, Bracket Challenge, which has over 200 members in it on Yahoo. I'm already in. Alex is in as well. Uh, this is like one of the few things we're going to spoil, but I, I think you and I both agree that we think Maryland is going to beat South Dakota State. I think Maryland will beat South Dakota State, yes. The spread is eight. I know we're not gamblers and we shouldn't really condone gambling on this program, but I, I'm going to say that it stays within eight, but I think Maryland wins. Uh, yeah, I think something around eight is probably fair. I think they're going to be like, a nine and a half, ten point favorite when tip off comes, uh, and, and I think that something like that's reasonable. As disappointing as Maryland has been, uh, and as much as they have in fact lost to Minnesota, I don't think they're going to lose this game. I don't think it'll be too, too, too close. Although it could be competitive. I mean, we said that about Valpo last year, and Varun Ram had to save us all. But uh, anyway, that game, it, I find it kind of funny that the game will be on the same network, TBS, at about the same time, 4.30 in the afternoon, as the game was last year against Valpo, which is kind of cool. So it means, well, everybody's getting out of work. If the D.C. Metro now suddenly decides to work on Friday, everybody will be able to watch the game. And now let's think about what could be coming Sunday. Hawaii could pull the upset. It would not surprise a lot of people, but let's assume it's Cal. Cal is a very interesting team. In a lot of ways, they're kind of – very much similar to Maryland. Some NBA talent, really good young players, Jalen Brown, Ivan Rabb. They've underachieved. They've been inconsistent. They're a pretty good defensive team. Another play where I think Maryland actually is suited pretty well to playing Cal. In terms of other four seeds, I mean, the four seeds aren't great this year. You're talking about Duke and Iowa State, for instance. But I think that this matchup actually suits Maryland pretty well, too, don't you? I do. I do. I think it's actually, can we, sorry, I, I had to do .com stuff for a second. Can you cut and just go back to your thing and then we'll edit around that? I apologize for that. No problem. Easy but to do. Let me, let me, let me log out now because it's midnight. So I'm, I'm off. Um, and I, the last couple of minutes I've actually just been like paying very little attention. That's probably why my analysis hasn't been that good. I've been, been fine. Don't worry about it. It just means I've got more editing to do, but I'm not going to sleep for a while. I'm sorry. Yeah. Please uh, don't worry about it. So, again, talk about Cal and Mar the matchup for Maryland. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. The Cal is a really good defensive team, a uh, better defensive team, I think, than Maryland in terms of how they've rated this year. Uh, they defend from the field exceptionally well. Uh, they're only a little lower than the top five field goal defense team than they are as an overall defense uh, because they let teams get to the foul line a little bit. Uh, but in terms of two-point defense, teams are uh, – I think they shoot 41% inside the arc against Cal. That's the best rate in the entire sport. Uh, so you wouldn't expect it to be a pretty easy time for, for Diamond Stone and Robert Carter, and that means that uh, Melo Trimble is going to have to make shots if that game happens. Rashid Zulman and Jake Lehman are going to have to make shots, uh, and, and Cal is going to do a pretty efficient job, as they've done all year, of uh, limiting chances around the basket. And that makes sense, given the guys they have on their team. Uh, well, with Ivan Rob, who's the, the five-star freshman they have, and they have a a couple of, of legitimate Jalen Brown too. Yeah, Jalen Brown's more of a three, I think, but they have he can play a little bit of four as well. Uh and they have two seven foot centers, so it makes some sense that they would be good at that. And they block a lot of shots and all that. 
But it's going to be interesting because you mentioned that they do foul a lot. And they don't that, foul a ton, but they foul a bit, yeah. But that, again, that suits Maryland really well because when they get to the foul line, they often win games. They are still one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. And when you think about it, it would be a fascinating chess match to watch two very good defensive teams, two defensive coaches in, in Turgeon and Quanzo Martin, match up these really highly rated recruits and NBA talent. And a lot of these players have NBA talent that you're going to see if this is the matchup that happens. Matching up these chess pieces, and it could really come down to who shoots better from the outside. And we've seen Maryland obviously struggle with that. But again, if you're giving me one game to say, Rashid Suleiman, Melo Trimble, Jake Lehman, shoot. Can you shoot from the outside? Can we get Jared Dickens a couple of pick-and-pop threes? I, I would say that Maryland can do that. And as we mentioned before, in terms of some of the four seeds that they could have played, or I guess five seeds in this instance, this is, again, not a terrible matchup for Maryland. It's going to be a very different game than South Dakota State. But it's right. one where, again, I don't think Maryland's going to be out of its depth necessarily. This is not playing a Kentucky where I would be like, they, I just don't think they have a chance. Or, you know, against a Duke where I'd be like, there are some matchup issues well, there. You mentioned, you mentioned getting some shots and like getting maybe, you know, some pick opportunities and, and getting open jumpers. The one thing you mentioned, Quanzo Martin, uh, something that his teams have always done is, is limit three-point looks. Uh, and that's been really important for them. I mean, typically, um, you, know, you know, really consistently, actually, you know, year in and year out, uh, less than 30% of the shots that the other team takes against uh, his teams dating back to this time at Tennessee uh, and even at Missouri State, they don't take a lot of threes. It's less than 30% are, are three-pointers. So I think that Maryland, it's kind of weird. You know, how do you score on Cal? Because you don't get a lot of three-point looks, and they defend so well uh, inside the arc. So what that's going to require is Maryland to come up with some kind of game plan to uh, do one or the other, if not both. And right now, do you really think that Maryland is the team that's going to draw up the brilliant half-court offense that's going to somehow find the hole there? Because I, I really don't, which is part of why I think uh, they're going to lose that game. But I, who knows? I The reason why I think that they can do that, I think what they have to do is they have to test them. You know, they have to – what they did against Michigan State, and I think the problem that a lot of people had was that after they went inside and were successful with it, they stopped doing it. And I think they just have to pound it away inside. And they have to basically draw – they have to draw a ton of contact. That means Melo Trimble has to drive to the lane and get contact. That means you're going to have to see Diamond Stone in the post try to create contact. You want to see Jake Lehman and Robert Carter cutting in trying to draw contact. I think that's the way Maryland's going to win. You don't necessarily have to score from the field, but you have to put Cal in foul trouble pretty quickly. And if you can do that – and get hay from the free throw line, I think Maryland can succeed. And you look at the teams that they've lost to, all of their Pac-12 losses were on the road. And they were against, I mean, decent teams. I mean, they lost at Oregon. They lost at Arizona. They lost at Utah. They weren't amazing in that, but you, you just look at some of the teams that they beat. I mean, they lost to Richmond, and they lost to San Diego State, and they lost to Virginia in the mirror matchup of all time in terms of just teams looking like each other. But I think Maryland, in terms of the consistency aspect, you know, if they can just find somebody to play, they don't need everybody to be good to beat Cal because of the fact that they don't score a ton. They just need somebody to be good. And the odds of somebody rising up from the pack and being good enough, I think, are actually decently high. Yeah, you know, they could be. They, they definitely could be. And it, it's I don't want to uh, put Maryland down too much just because there's uh, there's so much to like about about how much talent they have and you know, they've got a lot of minds on that coaching staff who who can do some things, who can draw up some plans that, that might actually work. 
Uh, but Cal's a tough nut to crack, man. Defensively, uh, they don't do they don't give you a whole lot uh, really in any in any phase of the game on defense. So uh, they'll have to find something. But then again, I think when you're thinking about it from a Cal perspective, I guess they're probably thinking the same thing about Maryland because they the last bit of tape that they're going to have aside from South Dakota State is Maryland completely shutting down Michigan State and playing maybe its best defensive performance of the year. And you're thinking, well, you have to go up against Rashid Suleiman on the perimeter and then Jake Lehman at the stretch. I mean, Jake Lehman against Jalen Brown is going to be something very interesting if that's the matchup we end up seeing. You know, right. it kind of works both ways here. And, I mean, in terms of tournament slugfest, we see them all the time. But this feels like a tournament slugfest. And I can remember saying on this show that I think Maryland, at the point we were talking, this was before they went to Purdue, they were more suited to win a slugfest than a shootout. And I still kind of believe that. If you need somebody to make a bucket in a 54 to 52 kind of game, I think Maryland has the guards and the difference makers in that moment to win a game like this. They have to stay close. And I don't think – Cal doesn't blow people out. That's the other thing from just looking at their records. I mean, against decent teams that they've played this year, I mean, aside from maybe – I mean, they did blow out Oregon and, and Utah at home. But again, this is a neutral site game. They didn't do a lot of blowing out away from home, aside from beating up on bad teams. I mean, they only beat they beat Oregon State by eight, and then lost to Utah in overtime. They play close games, and I think on a neutral court, Maryland is good in close games. I think that this favors them, not terribly so, but I think it is not inconceivable to see them advancing past Cal if that's who they end up playing. They could, yeah. And I mean, it's uh, it's all a crapshoot, sort of picking these things ahead of time. Um, I was joking because I, I had to do a bracket um, for SB Nation, so I'm making I'm making my picks way more public than I wish because the truth is I have no uh, no real idea what's going to happen. Just like I don't think anybody else does, but I just look at you know I look at the South Dakota State matchup and I think okay you know that's that works for Maryland. Uh, I look at the Cal matchup and I think it doesn't because Cal does a lot of things to limit you defensively that are going to require Maryland to find a hole where maybe one doesn't exist. Uh, and just given the way that Maryland struggled to create offense in the half court, uh, and given the way that Melo Trimble has struggled lately, uh, it's going to be hard. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. I think that what we saw, though, I mean, not against Michigan State, but against Nebraska, they were comp. I mean, Nebraska's terrible. Let's be honest; they're a horrible defensive team. But what yeah, I saw was really bad. But what yeah. you saw was confidence, and confidence <laughs> can be a huge thing. And right now, Robert Carter's probably feeling really confident. We don't know how the South Dakota State game is going to go. But the likelihood is somebody's going to get hot in that game, and they're going to be confident heading into a quick two-day turnaround. And, I, I, again, I think that just on paper, Maryland's got a matchup with Cal. And then there's this situation with the Cal assistant coach that's been fired right. right before that. And I don't want to make light of that situation because it's a terrible situation. Anything that happens like this is obviously a horrible, horrible thing to happen, especially the week of the tournament. But when you think about it, I mean, that's a distraction. That's not good. For a Cal yeah, team that has been that's, up and down all year. Distractions that might actually be a distraction. Yeah. Like that feels like something that is an unfortunate X factor, but an X factor that plays in Maryland's favor. Uh, it could, yeah. I think it's it's a shame that it that it happened. Um, but the thing about it is that uh, it's it can't be too easy on the players for Cal. I mean, I wouldn't think that it'll make a huge impact on the game. Uh, but you know, it could be emotionally draining for them, and the NCAA tournament's really emotional as it is. So. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe there could be some kind of uh, some kind of trickle down. I mean, it could be, but again, I, I, I see I see matchup issues for Maryland offensively, but I see matchup issues for Cal offensively too, which is why I'm saying 
I can yeah. easily see it going either way. And there are yeah. a lot of people who suspect Hawaii can beat Cal too, and I have no idea whether that's true or not because Hawaii plays games at ungodly hours of the night. So who the heck knows? And if Maryland plays Hawaii, I mean, what we've seen with double-digit seeds after they win one game, they usually tend to run out of steam. So if Maryland is fortunate enough to get Hawaii, who knows? I don't think that will happen, but that would be interesting. I mean, I guess a quick thought on Hawaii, because we're not going to record a podcast after the game on Friday. We're going to record next week after the first weekend is done. I mean, what do we know about Hawaii in case Maryland ends up playing them? Uh, not much, to be honest with you. If I told you I'd watched Hawaii, uh, which is five hours uh, behind us in time zone, I, I would be completely dishonest. Uh, I have poked around their uh, their Ken Pomeroy page, and they do some things. They, they get to the foul line a ton, which is worthwhile. Uh, you know, and the NCAA against a team like we just yeah. talked about it. And they, and they shoot really, really well inside the arc. Uh, they shoot 55% on twos. Here's the problem for them. They're a miserable three-point shooting team, 33%. Yet they shoot a lot of three-pointers. Almost 40% of their shots from the field are three-pointers. Uh, it strikes me as a team that could use a different offensive game plan because they do some things well, uh, but they don't really play into their own strength. They do have a, a top 50 defense, which is uh, also a pretty impressive thing. What I see on their page, uh, their Wikipedia page, they lost to Texas Tech on the road. They lost to Oklahoma by three. Uh, yeah. What was a home game? They beat Northern Iowa at home. So this is a team that has a decent win or two in them. Uh, we will see if it happens. That is not the 13-4 that I would be most likely to pick if you want any hint about no. my bracket. They, 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 maybe the most impressive thing they've done all year was they – I think they lost by just three to Oklahoma. That is correct. Yeah, back in, in December right before Christmas. So uh, they've competed, and, and they have a good record. I mean 27-5 is 27-5 even, uh, even if it's in the Big West. I mean, the Big West has provided some decent teams. They haven't made the NCAA tournament since 2002. So I guess that's a positive sign, isn't it? If you're of an Australian It is. Fan. It is. But yeah, and you're right, though. There are a couple of good teams. I think there's four top 100 teams in that conference. So, you know, they, they, they're formidable. And if Maryland wanted to play them, then, uh, uh, it, you know, I think any time, you know how it would be. I mean, everyone would be really, really excited that Maryland gets to, quote unquote, walk into the Sweet 16 if that matchup would happen it might not be that easy especially this is maryland that we're talking about so uh-huh. definitely not uh, i watched them not just struggle against minnesota i watched them struggle against Ryder. that yeah. was worse and people forget that that happened but people i will never forget, forget that, that that happened people forget that you know remember people would talk about that game maryland played against georgetown at the beginning of the year uh, like it was this great moment for maryland basketball and it was it was a really great atmosphere a lot of fun et cetera, et cetera. but they almost lost but they almost lost and georgetown turned out to be just terrible um, like it really wasn't a very good win. It was kind of a tepid, uh, mil- you know, milk toast win, if it was anything. Um, I mean, in that sense, the UConn win turned out. You know, Georgetown better. finished. Georgetown finished fifteen and eighteen, and was seven and eleven in the Big East, and lost. Uh, I, let, me, let me actually count them. They lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve out of their last sixteen games. They're absolutely terrible. And Maryland almost lost them. Um, so, other than that, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tang- that's a tangent. But yeah, Georgetown sucks. They're really bad. All right, I know some Maryland fans listening to this are probably going to love that. But hey, you know, Maryland's win against UConn looks a little bit better now. A little bit, so, a little bit, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, UConn's probably not much worse than Maryland, if we're being honest. Uh, actually, yeah, thinking about it, yes. 
probably pretty close. Better, certainly, certainly better defensively and and offensively, not that much worse. I guess here is a final thought before we end things off and shut down and take an acid bath after what's happened today in terms of podcast recording. Uh, do you think Maryland making the Sweet 16 and getting dumped, which is a very possible and plausible end to the season, is a success, a failure? What 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 would it be? Because yeah, the expectations were built up quite a bit during the year, and it's they're not going to probably meet them unless they catch lightning in a bottle, which is obviously possible and will look stupid if they do. But is making the Sweet 16 and going no further still a successful season, all things considered? Well, we polled this very question the other day, and over a 1,000 people voted, um, what do they have to do for the season to be a success? And 36% of the people said that the Sweet 16, as long as you advance to that, um, or even if you get to the round of 32, but, you know, 36% said that the Sweet 16 or less was enough to be successful, meaning that 64% did not think that was a success. Uh, I think that if Maryland had had a good regular season relative to expectations and, and been encouraging in the way that it played, that you could get to the Sweet 16 and then lose to a good team and then say, you know, that's tough, but this is the tournament. I think now um, Maryland didn't win the Big Ten in the regular season didn't even make the final of the Big Ten tournament. You know, if, if you go to the Sweet 16 and that's all you do, it might be a success, kind of lukewarm success, but it might be a success. The upsetting thing here is that if Maryland loses in the round of 32 or before, uh, you can't call the season anything other than an unmitigated failure because they will have won nothing and they will have lost way too many games for the talent they had. Um, so they will have th- that's the thing. Success is, success is very hard to define. Um, I think failure generally is even harder to find, but in this case, I think failure is pretty pretty simple. You know, if they don't get to the Sweet 16, then that's a failure. If they do get to the Sweet 16, and that's all, and they get dumped, and it's probably a middle ground. I think if you get past that, then you have to look at it and say, okay, uh, that was fine. So I guess now we should talk about the future for basketball because hey, maybe the president looking so great. If you are all such negative Nancys that you might be, as Maryland fans are, I tend to be. Maryland actually signed a recruit today. Or yesterday, or whenever the hell we're recording. I don't even. It's twelve eighteen at night when we were recording this. But <laughs> talk about the recruit that Maryland has signed. It is interesting, and not only in terms of the position that they fill, but the player. And it can give us maybe an idea of what the coaching staff thinks their roster is going to look like next year. Because with the way that Maryland has played down the stretch, the likelihood of everybody leaving, graduating, or going to the NBA early is different than it was at the start of the season. It is, it is, and and that's another point in and of itself. But you know, Mike. That's another Thomas, podcast in and of itself. We should make. Yeah, it, it, and I'm sure in June or, or May it will be. But uh, yeah, so you know, Micah Thomas, he's a six seven small forward, uh, plays at Huntington Prep in West Virginia. He's from Tennessee. Uh, he's an important get. I think he's so he's rated three stars uh, on the twenty four seven composite, which is our preferred uh, rating mechanism because it puts together. Uh, all the major analysts, uh, all the major agencies' rankings. But he's a high three-star, and some call him a four-star. So he's a pretty good prospect. And, uh, you know, he, he fills a need. Jake Lehman's going to be gone. Uh, Robert Carter might be gone. Diamond Stone almost certainly will be gone. Um, so they're going to lose a lot of length, and, and particularly at forward. Uh, they're definitely going to lose their small forward. Um, so I think there's a pretty reasonable chance that Thomas is going to start right away. Uh, you know, it depends on... Uh, obviously, how Jared Nickens and, and Deion Wiley progress, 
but uh, he's got a real chance to start right away and to play major minutes as a true freshman just based on what Maryland's current roster situation is. Uh, he, he seems to have, I've never seen him in person, I've only watched tape and everybody looks good on tape, but uh, he's got what appears to be some bounce, some athleticism. I don't know much about how good a shooter he is. Uh, there aren't great stats in that regard um, because you're playing different levels and uh, records aren't kept perfectly. But he helps, and it's really good news for Maryland to get him. I think also he's pretty light. I think he's like 180 pounds, so he'll probably yeah. have to beef up. But I have no yeah, doubt that'll that be, he'll that'll actually be a Kyle Tarp project. I think. I have no doubt that he'll actually do that though during this uh, this off yeah. season. He, he's definitely an interesting player, and I mean, we're not going to look forward to Maryland's roster next year, but already it's going to be a very very interesting team, mainly because it's going to be entirely different from this one. And I think that's kind of fun for us who cover and watch us, even as fans. But it's good to see a recruit. So even if today was not necessarily the most positive, it still is a positive day on the recruiting trail, which is always good. And Mark Turgeon, they've shown this staff can recruit very, very well. I think they're now 17th in terms of the recruiting classes, yeah. which in one, basketball. One spot, one spot ahead of the uh, Penn State class next year. What the hell happened? I'm sure, I'm sure Maryland fans will be very excited about that. Oh, they'll, they'll find a way to screw it up. Hey, if it's the James Franklin factor, it's not James Franklin, obviously, but it's still Pat Chambers, and he's not a very good basketball coach. So, anyway, there's your Penn State dig. And after a mammoth amount of failed recordings and a mammoth amount of editing, this crazy podcast is now over. Uh, Alex, we're not going to Spokane. It's a shame, but it will be a great day for couch journalism on Friday afternoon as we all sit down and watch the game. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, since our first two years at Maryland, Maryland didn't make the dance, and it was terrible. <laughs> See them make the dance two straight years after not making it for, what, four? That's still pretty good. And it's always interesting, as somebody who grew up without a team, to watch the big dance with your team in it. It changes a lot of different things in terms of perspective. You think about the teams different ways. You know, you're thinking about oh, God, I have to watch this game, and I can't watch any others that are going on at the same time. It's kind of crazy. And uh, and, Mar and maybe those two days, the Thursday and Friday of March Madness, are the most fun sports days of the year for obvious reasons. Yeah, I think it'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it myself. I am looking forward to it greatly, and I hope you are too. I'm sorry. I wanted to have more people on the show. That's a function of podcast failure in terms of recording. And we will have a women's show coming up very soon with somebody else to talk about the women who are a two-seed in the Lexington region, the same region Kentucky's in, and they are the three-seed where Maryland's the two. Uh, beggars can't be choosers. They beat Louisville at Louisville last year in the NCAA tournament, so I don't think they're going to be all that phased by it. And that's going to be a fun little preview to do. And as a teaser, I'm calling both of those games for WMUC Sports, so I'm very excited about that. But that you can see on your dashboard soon. sooner. Uh, it will be coming Maryland doesn't play until Saturday in that sense. And it's in College Park, so go watch Maryland women's basketball cabin anyway. So, Alex, any final thoughts? I guess go to bed is the final thought. Since yep, I think that'll be, that'll be happening in very short order. I'm going to edit this podcast until the break of dawn, so by the time I wake up, there will be infomercials. Yeah, a lot of editing tonight. I had to pop in and out. You, guys uh, won't yeah. you won't hear that, and you'll never hear the bits of recording that we try to do and the conversations we had as my recording software failed. Uh, I will try to fix that to make sure by next week we can have multiple people on. But thank you, Alex, for being a good sport, and thank you all for being good sports. Make sure you join the Testudo Times Tournament Challenge that I can get humiliated in terms of bracket wins. I never win at that, 
that'll be a lot of fun. Alex, you'll probably do better than me, and you won't. As long as I beat my friend who I host the WMUC radio show with, that's all I care about. If I beat him, then I'm good. That's literally it. Beyond the and as I said before, we haven't talked about it for prizes. There are no prizes, but maybe you'll definitely get a mention on the podcast, and maybe you'll even get a chance to pop in and uh, toot your own horn. I guess. Yeah, I think that could be arranged for sure. That could definitely be arranged. So if you're listening to this and you win, your voice will be heard by many hundreds of people on SoundCloud and on iTunes. So hopefully you enjoy that. Enjoy the NCAA tournament. And of course, go Terps and go Evair. Thank you.